This morning we want to look at Abraham. Because there are lessons that need to be learned from his life in this chapter as we begin 2023. Notice again Genesis 20 and verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from thence. Let's stop right there. Before we go any further, we have to know where this word thence is referring. Thence is where Abraham was dwelling. And where was that? We look back at Genesis chapter 18, if you will. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him, Abraham, in the plains of Mamre. This is where the word thence is referring. This is where Abram is journeying from. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. We talked when we looked at this chapter, and I think it's been a couple of months back, that Mamre means strength. It means fatness. It was a place of blessing in Abraham's life. And as we looked at this chapter, we saw that Abraham enjoyed three special privileges here in Mamre. We saw how Abraham provided refreshment for the Lord. He enjoyed full communion with the Lord. And it's here in Mamre that Abraham interceded for others before the Lord. And with regard to that point, we see in verse 22 here, if you'll look at chapter 18 and verse 22, that Mamre is the place where Abraham stood before the Lord. And we further learn across the page in chapter 19 and verse 27 that Mamre is where Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. This is Mamre, the place of spiritual strength, the place of spiritual fatness. Last Sunday we talked about how Lot would not go to the mountain as the angels told him to. He wanted to go to Zoar. We saw how the Lord gave Lot his request, but sent leanness into his soul. Interesting that leanness is the opposite of fatness. And so Zoar and Mamre are another contrast between Lot and Abraham. Abraham is in Mamre, the place of fatness. Mamre, where Abraham has a place, a place where he stands, where he gets up early in the morning and he stands before the Lord. Mamre, where Abraham enjoys full communion with the Lord. This is where Abraham journeys from thence. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 20. And the question is, why? Why? Why does he journey from thence? Why does Abraham leave Mamre? 
There is nothing in the record that the Lord told Abraham to get thee thence from Mamre. Abraham lost a spiritual battle here. And if we're saved today, it is a spiritual battle that we will face in 2023. The battle that he lost was a battle with the devil working through Abraham's own nature to get Abraham out of the Lord's will. In this new year, the purpose of Satan and the powers of darkness that he commands, the purpose of Satan working through his agent that lives within us, this own nature, the purpose of Satan and all of these forces working against us, their purpose in this new year is to get those who are saved out of the place of spiritual strength and spiritual fatness. Heading to the place of leanness of soul. We've talked many times how the Lord's will has a what and a when and a where. Today we're talking about the battle over where. Today I believe this battle for where in the life of God's people primarily involves the local church. Pastor Kelly taught something that I had never heard before. It's rather shocking the first time I heard it. But it's true. And that is that the most important where in the life of the believer is where you go to church. God has a specific local church where He wants you to be. Where He wants you to minister. Where He wants you to labor. Where He wants you to serve. And one of the spiritual battles that we will face this year is the devil trying to get us out of this place. This place where the Lord has called us. And He has a variety of weapons that He'll use. He'll use people and their words or their lack of words. He'll use people's words to offend us. He'll use people's lack of words to praise us for something that we think we deserve to be praised for, to offend us. It takes a surrendered heart to live in Psalm 119 and verse 165. I have to be honest, it's one of my most unfavorite verses in the Bible. Because it is one that stabs you right in the heart. Psalm 119 and verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law. And very few things shall offend them. <laughs> Doesn't say that, does it? It says, And nothing, nothing shall offend them. The devil will use our imagination. We may talk a little bit about that tonight. He'll use circumstances. Financial trouble, maybe. And his solution will be, you need to move to fill in the blank to get a better job. I mean, you know, 
you need more money, this is a big, bigger and better job. It'll give you the money that you need. You can find a church to go when you get there. He'll use circumstances. He'll use our children. Maybe they live off somewhere and they want us to come and live where they are so that we can be close to them. Maybe we will have children this year who will leave this church. And the natural inclination is to go with them. It takes a surrendered heart to take the Lord's side against our children and stay where He has called us. The devil, in conjunction with our own nature, will use whoever and whatever he can to get us out of memory. This place of spiritual strength and spiritual fatness. Are we ready for that battle this year? Are we prepared for that battle? I believe this is what's happening here. And the devil wins the battle. Because Abraham journeys from thence and the Spirit of God underlines how Abraham lost the battle by the word south. Abraham did not leave Mamre and head north, the direction toward God. He's demonstrating the words of the hymn that we sing. You know, do we think about the words as we sing songs? Tremendous messages in them. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The God I love. That's ever the bent of our heart. And so south is ever the direction that this old nature is looking and longing and heading, if not in body, in heart. South, not north. The Apostle Paul tells us what it means to have a desire to continually look north in the Christian life. He tells us in Philippians 3 and verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. That's a north-looking attitude. How are we going to be made conformable unto His death? Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. My life is dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. When I read or when I hear Galatians 2.20, the words of another hymn come to mind. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. This is spiritual strength and fatness. This is memory. This is what it means to constantly be looking north in the Christian life. This is the place and the direction that Abraham is leaving as he journeys from thence, from memory toward the south. What place, what direction is going to characterize our walk with the Lord in 2023? Mamre or Gerar? 
north or south. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. Notice verse 2. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. This is exactly what happened the last time that Abraham journeyed south. Look back, if, if you will, for just a minute to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Here in this chapter, Abram, as he's called here, has come into the land of Canaan. He's built an altar and he's called on the name of the Lord. But notice what we read in verse 9. And Abram journeyed going on on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 20 and verse 2. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham journeyed south. He went down to Egypt. He told Sarah to say that she was his sister, and I believe Sarah said that because Abraham told her to. And Abraham said that as well. Because in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 19, Pharaoh looked at him and and said, Why did you say that? What is this that thou hast said? They both told the lie. And as a result... Sarai was taken into Pharaoh's house. Fast forward 25 years or so, and Abraham says of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And he wasn't the only one. Look at Abimelech's words in verse 5. Said he not unto me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. They both told the lie. And the result, listen very carefully, they both told the lie and the result was the same. Sarah was taken into Pharaoh's house in Egypt and she was taken into Abimelech's house here in uh, Genesis chapter 20. Same sin, same result. Albert Einstein is widely credited with defining insanity. He said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. 
Folks, spiritual insanity is committing the same sin over and over again and thinking that we will get different results. We will not. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. Don't you listen to your heart. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Be not deceived. Don't you think you can get away with sin? Don't you think that you're going to be different? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Allowing some space of years between those two sins will not change the result. It will not change the result of our sin. A different location where people don't know us. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah are in a different location. They're different people. They're different place. Different location is not going to change the result of our sin. Involving different people, telling it to different people is not going to change the result of our sin. Galatians 6-7 is an unchanging, eternal principle. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. If we're saved today, can we learn that? Can we not learn it? Not from the lives of other people, but from our own. Can we not live in the light of that in 2023? Can we not sow to the Spirit? And of the Spirit reap life everlasting and bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Verse 3, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife. For he is a prophet. And he shall pray for thee. And thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die. Thou and all that are thine. There is so much in these five verses to see. And the first thing concerns God's dealings with Abimelech. God dealt with this man in mercy. 
He dealt with him in mercy. In verse 3, the Lord came to Abimelech and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. And then in verse 7, God in His mercy tells Abimelech, Therefore, restore the man his wife, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. This is the mercy of God to this man. It's the mercy of God that sets before him life and death and gives Abimelech the opportunity to choose life. That's the mercy of God. We see the Lord's mercy demonstrated in in the life of Abimelech in God's providence. Abimelech believed the words of Abraham and Sarah. Why wouldn't he? Wouldn't we have believed them? They come to his country and Abraham says, let me introduce to you my sister, Sarah. And Sarah says, yes, this is my brother. There's no reason for Abimelech not to believe them. And so he accepts their words in the integrity of his heart, in the innocency of his hands, And God recognized his integrity. God recognized the honest and simple way in which Abimelech took Abraham and Sarah at their word. And he worked in his providence to keep Abimelech from sinning against him. By going in and touching Sarah. By preventing him from going in and committing adultery with her. God walked in His providence until He could give Abimelech the light of the truth. And the light of the truth is there in verse 3 and verse 7. Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. And then in verse 7, Therefore restore the man his wife, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. And now Abimelech is in the light. He's in the full light. And he had a choice. He could come to the light of the truth, that Sarah is a man's wife and live, or he could reject the light of the truth and die. These are eternally important things to think about because they have an application to every lost person here today. If you're lost, God has dealt with you in mercy. You're the beneficiary, whether you know it or not, of Psalm 86 and verse 15. But Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy. Plenteous in mercy. Psalm 103 and verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. 
Lamentations 3 and verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. And the place in all of time and eternity where the mercy of God to you is demonstrated is the cross of Calvary. The place where Psalm 85 and verse 10 tells us that mercy and truth are met together. And Paul tells us what that means. Mercy and truth are met together. He tells us what it means in Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, there's the mercy. And the truth is in verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, God has dealt with you in mercy. And God has worked in mercy in His providence in your life. He's moved and worked in the circumstances of your life to keep you alive until He could give you and you could understand the light of the truth. How many of us, older at least, cannot think back to incidences in our lives where we very easily could have been killed? Very easily we could have been killed. There's one that stands out in my mind. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want any of you teenagers to go out and emulate it. I'll just tell you it involves an automobile. But think about the times in your life when God has spared. Think about the times that you don't even know about that He spared your life until He could give you and you could understand the light of the truth. And you know what the light of the truth is? Thou art but a dead man. Thou art but a dead woman. And there's something critically important to see here. In verse 5, Abimelech claims two things in his response to the Lord. The Lord tells him, Um, in verse 3, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she's another man's wife. And Abimelech in response to that claims two things in verse 5. He claims integrity and innocency. But here's what I want you to notice. In verse 6, God only recognizes Abimelech's integrity. Look at it. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. God only recognizes Abimelech's integrity. He only recognizes, as we said a moment ago, the honest and the simple way that Abimelech accepted the word of Abraham and Sarah. But don't miss it. The Lord's words in verse 6, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. God does not recognize Abimelech's claim of innocency. I want you to think about the perfection of this book and the perfection of the message of this book. God does not recognize Abimelech's claim of innocency because he is not innocent. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty. Not some of the world, not most of the world, all of the world may become guilty before God. Abimelech had no innocency, and neither do you. God's pronouncement on Abimelech and His pronouncement upon you is thou art but a dead man. And it's like that because there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. God's pronouncement upon you is thou art but a dead man. Thou art but a dead woman. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Thou art but a dead man. Thou art but a dead woman. But then came that wonderful day. That wonderful day as it did in the life of Abimelech when God gave us light. That wonderful day when God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the glorious gospel of Christ How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The light of the glorious Gospel of Christ that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has set before us Life and death. And He says to us, therefore, choose life. And if we receive the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, then we're saved. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If we receive the light of of the glorious gospel of Christ. God says to us what He said here to Abimelech, Thou shalt live. Thou shalt live. But if you reject the light of the truth, if you reject the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, God says to you what He says to Abimelech, Know that thou shalt surely die. And the Lord Jesus describes that death is being cast into outer darkness. Jude describes it as the blackness of darkness forever. Interesting that Jude would use that terminology. The blackness of darkness forever. It's interesting because that is the very darkness that we read about on the cross of Calvary. For those three hours when there was a a darkness over all the earth. 
The Lord Jesus Christ endured the blackness of darkness forever as the eternal judgment of God against our sin was poured out on Him. The Lord Jesus took what is reserved for you and me, what you and I deserve. We deserve the blackness of darkness forever. He took what is reserved, what is reserved for you and me, so that we could have not the blackness of darkness forever, but the light of life. So that we could walk in the light as He is in the light and have fellowship with Him and have the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanse us from all sin. This morning, why? Why? In the face of the light that you have, why would Abimelech have refused the light? Would he have refused it? He didn't. He didn't. Why would you, in the light of the message from heaven, why would you go on in the darkness of your sin? Why would you go on thinking you're getting away with it? Why would you continue to live as a dead man or a dead woman when you can have the light of life? This morning, before 2023 goes any further, you can lay down your rebellion. You can turn to the Lord Jesus from your sin. And you can ask Him to save you, and He will. He will give you the light of life. God who cannot lie has promised. Him that cometh to me. I will in no wise cast out. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for this passage of Scripture. The treasures that are here. Treasures that we haven't even scratched the surface of. We pray that if we know You as our Savior today, that we would look at Abraham and his journeying from Mamre, his journeying toward the south. How he lost the where battle in his Christian life. And we pray that in this year we would not lose that battle. But we would be crucified with you, that we would be dead to self, that our life would be not I, but Christ. And that we would not be moved out of the where that You have called us. And Father, if there's anyone here who's never trusted You as their Savior, we pray that You would help them to see that they are but a dead man or a dead woman. And we pray that You would help them to see how You've dealt with them in mercy, how You've brought them here again today to hear the message of the Gospel, the light of the glorious Gospel of Christ. And we pray that they would not turn away from that light. But right now, right where they are, they would trust You as their Savior. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.